Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of You Love to See It. I am your host, Zachary, joined with my other hosts, Caleb and Eric. How are you guys doing today? Excellent, Zach. How are you? You know, doing pretty well. We were having a great conversation about the cross cuts of a pineapple moments ago. Uh, Define cross cut. You know, across the body of the pineapple. Across which way? Horizontally. Oh, now that we're recording you, you decide <laughs> to make that clear. Well, okay. okay. I, I figured I out the word I was looking for okay. around that time. Eric, how, what's your feeling on pineapples? Co-star is telling me, don't small talk. Why do you think this is small talk? I mean, I, I would say pineapples are pretty big talk. Yeah, you guys didn't hear, but Zach says the pineapples that he eats are circular. No, I just said That's usually... That's pretty big. Like, when I had pineapples as a child, my mother would cut the pineapple cross-section horizontally, and you'd get the circular pineapples with the hole in the middle. You know? So that's that's how I was with used... a hole in the middle? Yeah, because, like, you can't eat the middle of the pineapple. Right? I guess. Well, what they do is they just... I mean, they, they just have like I wish a you could. I wish you do that motion <laughs> one more time. An Eric. audio only <laughs> podcast. I, yeah, well, too bad we're not recording video right now because I would like a, uh, a recording of that motion. But today we're not here to talk about pineapples. Actually, uh, for I wish I I I really <laughs> wish maybe, maybe <laughs> new, new podcast. What does that mean? I you know I know I can I get it from Caleb Eric, but you, you. Since since when are you afraid to discuss our current movie of the oh, week? Afraid? Who said afraid? Well, I'm just I'm I'm pinning on on Caleb that he's got a little bit of, you know. Small. But, it's it, it would just it would it, it it goes against my co-star. To talk about today's film. Small small talk. I mean, what is small talk, Eric? It's in the name. All right. Well, <laughs> this week we'll be covering Dune. Obviously, the Small biggest movie. blockbuster on the market at the moment, which just officially got uh, announced for uh, part two, if you were not uh, sure, since the beginning of the film does say part one. Uh, there will be a part two in October of 2023, so two years from now, um, if you want to approximate the date of this podcast. So yeah, Dune 2 is coming, or Dune Part 2, and... For now, we're we're here to discuss Dune <laughs> Part One, but it's been a little while since we recorded, and we've seen some films over that period. And you know, usually we'll have an intro question or some type of maybe talk about trailers. Granted, I don't really feel like talking about all the Marvel trailers that I've been seeing at the theater. So, why don't we catch up? 
talk for a few minutes about some movies we've seen recently. Um, I'll throw some out there that I know you guys have seen or that I've seen or I've seen with you guys. And uh, we'll take it from there. So I know you guys a couple weeks ago at this point saw No Time to Die. Uh, the final installation in the Bond movies for uh, uh, Daniel Craig's career as uh, James Bond. How was it? Any any quick reactions, quick notes about the film? Very pleasantly surprised. Very, very much so. Um, I expected something not as engaging and certainly not as emotional as as we got and think that ending might just place no time to die at the top of the Daniel Craig Bond series Are you ki- are you kidding me right wow, now Wow I I didn't know I didn't know Caleb's opinion on this Are you are you are you and serious <laughs> Now I'm going to go home because the fear that Zach was describing has uh Yeah, surfaced. you know what I'm talking about? Are you serious? Uh, oh my god. Eric, no, do you not feel no, the same? No, Are you uh, No, like what? I don't know. Like No Time to Die was perfectly fine. It was like, I don't know. Um I thought Rami Malek's character was very funny, but I didn't think his his central villain seemed like he played much of a role in the movie. He didn't really make much of an impact. The first hour of it is pretty boring ex- exposition. I didn't think it was visually very interesting in the same way that something like Skyfall or Spectre was. There's no like sequence in Macau. There's no like standout set piece anywhere that I remember thinking like, oh, that was sort of cool. I mean, I was struggling to stay with the movie for the first hour hour and a half i thought it was very boring and then it gradually got better and to the point where i i think i'm generally positive on the movie because i got to the end and as like cheesy as the ending was i was like okay like i i buy this but no far cry from the best two different views you know that's going to be a common theme for today i have a feeling um especially when it gets to our feature film but uh it's interesting because I hadn't heard Caleb's response uh, to the film. I'd only heard Eric's recently. Uh, all right. Well, any other any other last notes on No Time to Die or the Daniel Craig um, Bond films? Who's the next Bond? Who's your prediction? Lay a bet right now. Mm. Uh, interesting. Would you have anyone you want to see or would want to see? Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Okay, Eric? Oh my god, I have no clue. N- no clue? I have no clue. I don't know. I guess. Or we'll... Michael Myers. <laughs> I hate you, Caleb. It is the Halloween season. No, not that. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but maybe. Wait, is there another Michael Myers? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who? Eric. <laughs> Star of one of the greatest yeah. films of all time. I don't think Eric likes them or has seen them. No, you've definitely seen. Eric, well, I, 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 the film. I cannot continue doing this podcast with you if you've not seen Shrek. <laughs> That's not the film. You don't know what we're talking about? 
What? You're talking about Halloween. No, no, no. Mike. <laughs> Michael, the other Michael Myers. Zach, what are you talking about? Not Halloween and not Shrek. What are you saying Shrek like that? Well, no, but obviously it's not, not Shrek. <laughs> not. What what movie are you about to name that's better than Shrek? No, Austin Powers? Well, I'm just saying that's what it's that's what he's from. Have you seen Austin Powers, Eric? No, I've seen none of them. Have you seen Shrek? What what does Shrek have to do with Michael Myers? <laughs> just tell me. What does he have to do with Michael Myers? Zach, have you seen Shrek? All right, we're moving on. All right, no time to die. We got mixed reviews on. Eric and I had the pleasure of watching The Last Duel, uh, I think about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago at this point. Oh, um, <laughs> I really... Wait, what? <laughs> Mike Myers. Yeah. <laughs> he... <All right. laughs> this is the, That was a, a, a great chime in <clears throat> by Caleb. Eric and I had the pleasure of watching The Last Duel starring Matt Damon and um, Adam Driver. Um, and what's uh, Eric, do you remember her name? The actress. I mean, she's literally the lead character, and I feel terrible for not knowing her name. Uh, Jodie Comer. Yes, thank you. Um, and I think Eric and I walked out of that with a similar reaction. Um, I remember at the end of the film, I hope Eric doesn't mind me sharing this, but I I thought Eric was, was going to hate this Eric movie. cried a lot. And <laughs> at the end of it, I turned to my left, and Eric says, you know, that kind of slapped. And slap it did. Uh, <laughs> last duel was uh, pretty pretty dang good. Uh, we were talking, Eric and I, for a few you know hours after that, or just since then, about the film a little bit. We were gonna do a podcast episode about it, maybe in our end of the year discussion. It might come up on our lists or something like that. But uh, we were comparing it to The Green Knight, and we were just talking about it. How we were both pe pleasantly surprised. I mean, do you have anything to add? I mean, you you liked it. I I mean, I think I obviously liked it a little bit more if we're gonna go based off of Letterbox scores. But um, have you come down a little bit? You see? No, I haven't come okay. down on it. I think it's very good. It's got great production design. It's a compelling story. Um, that about like men, terrible men. That is true. Um that never um it never feels preachy and it never sacrifices Jodie Comer's character's like independence um uh yeah it's great some great fight scenes very lush yeah no complaints you know what's funny in my head i was just thinking about this um i it's, i've never seen multiple movies in a row recently that ha are told in chapters or in sections last duel has three sections um based on viewpoints i won't say anything more than that if you know just to leave it up uh for people to see and then the other film that i was going to mention that i just saw last night was lamb uh the new a24 movie um i don't have too much to say about it also has like the the chapter one chapter two i i, I don't know if that's like a just a renewed thing that's happening like Pig had it. Yeah, Pig had it. Like, sure did. I don't. I don't know. It's just interesting. I just feel like recently I've been seeing a lot of films have very clear defined sections, almost like chapters in a book, and I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, I don't know if I like it. Maybe it depends on the situation. I, I didn't mind it. I, I, it worked perfectly in the last duel, especially because of how it's used. 
where something like lamb didn't i mean i guess i can tell you kind of what each part kind of meant but yeah um i saw lamb last night uh it's a fine movie um it's a a24 movie if i've ever seen one very art housey very uh folklore very a24 in a good way or a bad way in a bad way i'd say more in a bad way it's 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 like it try it's a film that in my opinion probably could have been a 20 30 minute short and tried to rely so much on the atmospheric value that it thought it had that and i i i feel it sucks because i wish i could tell you the ending because it's so unsatisfying that it makes the movie feel worthless or not worthless. Zach, are you talking about Dune or I'm not I thought he was about talking Dune. about like the Green Knight or something. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, the ending was rough, and because of it, sometimes a bad ending. If the movie feels good, you can get over it. Other times, it makes you feel like you wasted, you know, two and a half hours, an hour and a half. Yes. Any other films we've seen recently? You guys have seen. Um, Eric, you just saw Bergman Island, correct? Yes. Um, I was actually going to talk about a different film first. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Be going to talk about our guest. The Year of the Everlasting Storm because we brought up The Green Knight, and David Lowry also has a film in The Year of the Everlasting Storm. In addition to A Pitch of Pong, my um, future husband, um, <laughs> Jafar Panahi, Laura Poitras. Um, Anthony Chen, Domingo Sotomayor, Malik Vital. They each have a short film, sort of influenced by the pandemic. Um, and I don't know, they're all very different. Half of them are documentaries, half of them are fiction. The Pitchapongs is its its own thing. Um, and I just wanted to bring it up because we talked about The Green Knight and David Lowry's short in the Year of the Everlasting Storm is incredible. Like the best thing he's done. Yeah, that's, um, that's what you were telling me. It's like a 10 to 12 minute short of like a woman um, reading like reading letters from like an estranged father about their dead brother. It's like a sci-fi short. Um, I don't want to say too much more. Very good. Also a pitch of pong short. Incredible. But that was I I. I, I don't want to say it's predetermined, but it's it's incredible. <laughs> I, I know other people will say it's predetermined, but it's not. Definitely not. <laughs> but it's it's incredible. I, I did not stop stop thinking about it for days. Um I did also watch Bergman Island, which I was a bit surprised at at how how good it was. Um only because I'd watched one other Mia Hansen Love project. Um, what other Mia Hands in Love film, which is Things to Come, and came out thinking it was pretty good, but like okay. Um, Bergman Island, Vicky Creeps, Tim Roth, go to Faro, Fora, Faro. It's the Swedish island where Bergman filmed Persona. Um, and they basically go there on a vacation slash writing retreat. Um, they're both filmmakers, and they it's pretty much like Vicky Creeps struggling through her writing process on the island and struggling with like the monumentization of everything around them because of Bergman's influence. And halfway through it turns into a film within a film of Vicky Creeps's um Vicky Creeps's what well, Vicky Creeps is writing about, which stars Mia Vasakovska and 
Anders Danielson Lee, who is in a lot of Joachim Trier movies. Um, and it's, it's very good. Um, it's cool, like, how, like, both of the narratives, like, play off of each other. It's got really good, like, naturalistic vibes to it. Um, it's got, like, really, it's very well shot, very, very good formally. A great experience. All right. We that we, we've hit a lot of marks today. We've, uh, you know, it's funny. We've seen, I guess, a lot of films in the last couple. I think we can stop here, honestly. You think we should stop here? You, why are you not excited for a feature film? I guess that's I think a no we from can... Caleb. <laughs> Before we get into Dune, I guess one last note that I was interested in bringing up was um, I told this to you, Eric, a couple weeks ago, I think, when we were seeing maybe The Last Duel or... Uh, maybe it was when we were seeing Dune. No, I didn't see Dune with you. Um, but it was... Wait. <laughs> what? We definitely saw Dune together. I sat right next to you. <laughs> I, I'm, forgive me. It's, it's okay. It's been a long day. The whole day. movie is it's, a little... <laughs> I was so entranced by the film. There's been a lot of... I've seen a lot of trailers for films that I didn't realize got pushed back from the pandemic. Like, um, in Dune, I believe we saw the trailer for Kingsman. Then there was also recently when I was watching Lamb, I saw the trailer for Antlers, which was another pre-pandemic movie. I just, I didn't realize how many movies got, like, I'm surprised they even can do that, right? Like, pushback movies, like, like two years? Like, Dune, the card yeah. counter, all got pushed back. I didn't know the card counter was a pre-pandemic movie. I don't know, it's interesting. Some movies just released, like. It wasn't pre-pandemic, it was like, the pandemic hit on like the last like couple days of shooting. Interesting. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. No, I was like, I wonder why. Maybe it had to do with where they were in the process. Some films were already like slated to be released, so they were just like, screw it, we're gonna release it. And some of them went straight to like uh, streaming, and others just decided to push back. Because I remember seeing the trailers for the new Ghostbusters movie, um, which I, don't even get me started on. Um, is coming out too as well, and that was a pre-pandemic movie. So I don't know if some of these movies reshot stuff or if they're just literally finished it and then just waited two years to release it. So I don't know. I guess it'll be interesting to see. Let's go to Dune. Dune, Dune, Dune. We've been waiting to do Dune. Um, I've been waiting for Dune for many years now. Um, obviously, Dune is based off the book. Um, released in, I don't know what year, but it's a very old book. Um, how many movies have, just, is there just one movie that's been made before this? Or is there... David Lynch's Dune. David Lynch's, but there's, that's the only one, correct? There is also a movie called, uh, oh my god, I'm gonna butcher his name. The director of The Holy Mountain, Jodorowsky, Hodorowsky? It's probably Hodorowsky. It's a documentary about his version of Dune that never got made. Oh, Interesting. All right, well, then this is the, you know, the Dune revival, you know. People have been wanting a proper Dune movie for a long time. It's one of the best-selling sci-fi books of all time. And it, you know, is a very massive book, part of a very massive series, undoubtedly one of the most favorited in the sci-fi genre. And people have been waiting for Dune for a long time. I remember when I when it got teased and I knew that Denis uh, was going to be doing it. I was pretty excited and 
we're going to be getting into it. I know Caleb's over there rubbing his eyebrow a little bit. Uh, he's very stoked to get his opinion in on Dune. Just a little itchy um, above my eye. But if you don't know the story of Dune, I will tell you the letterbox summary and a brief, brief, brief little insight into the Dune universe. The Dune-iverse. The, the Dune-iverse. I like that. So Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, a commodity capable of unlocking humanity's greatest potential, only those who can conquer their fear will survive. So, doesn't tell you too much, but Dune is very, very large, its universe, and has a very large government slash hierarchy system, maybe similar to Game of Thrones. I, I don't know how I, I'm making a bold comparison there, but um, there's kind of like these separate groups that are all under the Emperor and the Atreides are one of these houses who are basically essentially colonizing the new colonizers of the of this planet. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a whole story and part one only covers about half of the book of Dune. Um, there's many more and many more books after that. And people were excited for the first time especially in the new age of CGI and everything we can do of getting a proper dune movie because of how descriptive and how crazy the the you know the planet the universe is um in the novel so denis uh villeneuve uh, maybe I'm not pronouncing that correct. Caleb was trying to give me a lesson on my French. Uh, impeccable. Impeccable. Sorry. Okay. Maybe a little <laughs> bit too much V still. Mm, um, but I'll refer to him as Denis, just so I don't have to keep butchering First name his basis. name. Yeah, I, wow. I wish. Um, I wish it was. Uh, he's made several major films. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, Prisoners, Sicario, Enemies, my personal favorite, Arrival. Um, I think Eric is somewhat pretty familiar with his work. Caleb has seen a few. Sadly. Um, <laughs> so, hey, hey, Caleb, remember hey, Polytechnique? Hey. <laughs> we were just talking about Polytechnique. I do remember because... Polytechnique. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I actually just peeped at uh, Caleb's uh, co-star uh, co letterbox review for Dune. I had not seen it at this point, but I will not spoil it for the audience. Um, Polytechnique was bad. Wow. I have not seen, I have a feeling I would not think it's as bad as you guys do because I enjoy his work, but maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe you are right. Some mentions, uh, Timothy Chalamet, or Ch Chalamet? Chalamet. Chalamet is the My, main star uh, playing, Gonorrhea King. playing Paul Atreides. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson <laughs> playing Lady Jessica, Oscar Isaac playing the Duke, Zendaya, Jason Momoa. Josh Brolin, Dave Batista. Is there anyone else I'm forgetting, Major? Chang Chen. Chang Chen. Um, got a big cast and some big stars. Um, Oscar Isaac looking very uh, English teacher ish. Uh, getting that. As Olivia said, Dilf. <laughs> looking with his uh, his full beard and gray hair. His uh, 
Big upgrade from the card counter. Big upgrade. Big upgrade from the card counter. Uh, Timothy Chalmay still looking, you know, teenager-y as ever. Um, so, yeah. Dude, he never ages. It's funny because Oliver, uh, our friend in the car, was like, dude, he must be like 18. Like, he's got to be way younger than us. I'm like... He's like 20, like Eric was it's like... It's a side effect of gonorrhea. <laughs> Eric, I hate Patient you. Patient zero. He said, <laughs> and then Eric was like, no, he's 25. And turns out he is 25 years old. He just looks very young. Um, maybe they just do an excellent job with makeup. Although I did see him on a live stream with Zendaya recently. He does look that young. Um, so yeah, let's get into Dune. Let's talk to Dune. Let's talk Dune. Let's talk Dune. <laughs> Zach, you're, you're reading the... The description got me. Yes, just already has got me triggered. I was gonna say enthused for <laughs> our discussion, but could you go ahead and, and just read me the the first part of the the first sentence again? The first part of the first sentence of the description. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into great destiny. That's great. The- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man yes can you provide me with an example of his brilliance uh an example of his brilliance you are are you referring to are we speaking just the film universe or are we speaking to the novel as well just just the film i i have no knowledge okay. of the novel and and i it's my general principle that to separate them. That you just, you shouldn't need to have any context about a novel when you're watching a film adaptation. I think the filmmaker has failed if that's a necessary component to enjoy your viewing experience. I won't, I won't disagree with that, but I will say I do think in, it is, it does enhance your experience. It can, it can and should. I think it should. If you are someone, like I think the film's, like I think films based on novels should be t- tethered or sorry not tethered tailored to a general audience but I do also think it's fun when you are one of the you know ones who have read it like Denis was a very large fan growing up to feel like ah oh, yeah like this is a sneak peek of what's to come or like oh a little like I know what that means you know I think it's like yes I agree with you but I also will say that there are there are some benefits of being a novel. Sure, sure. I feel like I feel like this is the type of movie where, if you lived under a rock, and did not know that Dune the book series existed, you would go into the movie, afterwards be like, oh, like that makes so much sense. There was a book because, this movie felt like it was talking big game that was not there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's here's the thing. Um, this is I, I we'll start with this point real quick, and then I, you know, if Caleb, if you wanted to, I, I kind of cut you off a little bit, but Dune is a massive franchise, and Book One is a massive book filled with so much that it is just not feasibly possible to fit Dune a the book as an adaptation into a movie into a two and a half hour window. Hence why Dune Part 1 is a two and a half hour movie that encompasses roughly half the book, give or take. We can talk all day, and maybe, you know, we should, is should movies like this even be made? Should there even be an attempt to to transfer a book to the screen, especially one with such deep, uh, you know, that that's so long and, and has so much content? So should should this have been... A five-hour movie? 
just release that once? Should this have been a TV show? Should this have been, I don't know. I will say it's, yeah, it sucks. I, I am not a huge fan of like having a movie ending it at a basically nothing of an ending and then being like, oh, okay, part two. Because you're right, Eric. If you were living under a rock, or even if you're not, even if you just have never read Dune. Living under a dune. Yeah, if, if you were living under a dune, you wouldn't necessarily know that Dune is supposed to be half the book or that, you know, that it feels so unsatisfying unless you have the knowledge of, hey, there's more coming, and oh, I'm super excited because I'm a passionate fan of this novel. I guess I, guess I was more thinking of, like, I, I think... I mean, I'm just going to get to it. The the worst part of this movie is the first hour and a half of exposition. And it's not even that it's exposition. It's that I, I, I almost feel like the movie as a whole really, like, loses its potential in its world building. Like, it's a type of thing where if I hadn't... if Like, I feel like a hypothetical person who didn't know the books existed <laughs> would leave the theater, find out there's a book, <laughs> and go... Oh, like, it makes so much sense there's a book because they kept saying about how big this world was and it's clear that there was a book that explored it more. Whereas, like, I feel like in the beginning of this movie we saw some interior... Like, this entire movie saw some interiors of the house and then we saw... Sand? <laughs> like, like it was beautiful sand, but it's very confined in spaces that I... I don't know, I wanted, I wanted more world building. If you're going to have exposition... I don't know. Like... Yeah, it was like very boring exposition. There was nothing in the exposition or setup of this movie that felt very specific. It, it, you know. I mean, I, I think I, I disagree a little bit. Only, I mean, I think it comes down to personal preference. I think there's a lot. There, Dune as a universe is what eight novels more. I don't, I don't know the exact number. And book one obviously doesn't even do everything in setting it up. And it's asking a lot to take, you know, a movie to build a world that is so massive and do it in only an hour so that the next hour and a half can be, you know, actually plot driven. Maybe there's a better way to do it. Maybe there's maybe this is again, maybe we can talk about this. You know, this should this is this even a notable like should this even be done? Should adapting books like this be done? But at the end of the day. I guess my question is then, Eric, like, what would you have liked to see? Because there's going to be the first hour. I understand what you're saying. There's a notable shift. Um, and the first hour is very exposition. It's very, it's set up. And, you know, that wouldn't be so bad if you were sitting watching a five hour movie in the first hour, you know, is one fifth. It the, would be pretty well, bad. What I'm saying, <laughs> well, what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Like percentage wise, in this case, it's sure, about half sure. the movie. So I guess. How do you want a movie like this to tackle setting up a universe that this is this massive? I mean, I think Caleb hit hit it on the head in his first question. I I don't think I come out of watching Dune with any sense of specificity as to what makes this world or these characters special. Like I I couldn't tell you almost any of the I couldn't tell you any character's name other than even like barely Paul. Yeah. Like I Paul is the chosen one who has shown me nothing to tell me that he is the chosen one. Rebecca Ferguson is the like sly mother. Um, there is the like Ned Stark's archetype, like doomed father. There is, they have the stereotyped Asian healer guy. They have 
big strong guard. There's like nothing in this story that I come out of that's I don't know specific to me in any way, and that's like the reason the movie gets better for me is because it just gets more action. But the like setup of the world feels very generic and very we're just gonna do it. We're just gonna tell you this. You you've seen this before. Now let's start. Yeah, I think it does feel pretty perfunctory. Like we have to go through this uh, because that's how these stories operate. We, we just gotta. We have to set things up for you because that is the structure. That is the formula. So here you go. We're not gonna. We're not gonna find any inspiration in this because it's simply necessary, and we're gonna treat it as such. Uh, the difference for me is that. I didn't feel like that kind of lax approach really stopped at an hour or an hour and a half. I thought it went all the way through and I actually didn't notice much difference between the first half of this movie and the second half. It all felt kind of just, I don't know, going through the motions, neglecting, you know, inspired characters and story just to kind of get through it all and present visuals, which which to me were, were very emotionally hollow. So let me ask you guys this question. I think this is, um, you know, not necessarily what you guys are saying, but I guess it's a twofold question. Is there a way, you know, setup's important in any, in any film, obviously. There's, you know, an intro. I disagree. You disagree. I think the best movies just drop you in and... And you can figure things out later. So how does it work then? Because novels aren't necessarily like that. Novels typically, especially fiction novels, usually spend a good portion, and maybe I'm wrong, there's probably plenty of counterexamples, portion of their introduction setting up a world or setting up character, setting up. Do you believe that then, are you saying the task of translating that to 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 screen is a task that can never be completed? Or are you saying that? No, no, of, of course you can, you can adapt, but I think that you should be able to make changes to a book or, mm -hmm. or the, or how a book is written, even if you don't really mess with the plot in order to best facilitate its transition to the screen. I think it would be ridiculous to say that you have to keep everything Precisely the same that, that you should try and For sure. make this movie feel like a book because that's that's never going to yield the best results. For sure, I, I I agree. I guess what I'm what I'm wondering then is you know and and this is, you know this takes us off topic a bit is the way that this movie structured to me feels like the way they went about it was trying to get as close of an adaptation to the book as physically possible um, as someone that has read the book. And so what what I'm wondering is, is that idea, does that just not work in, in, in cinema or is it meant more for maybe a TV show like format of where you can have time setting up, you know, I'm thinking more like Game of Thrones and even though, even though Game, I don't want, Game of Thrones gets you pretty into the action in the early episodes. So, you know, I'm not going to go too far into that, but I'm wondering is, so is the problem that it seems like they took the approach of adapting this completely one-to-one -one rather than making it 
more of a film. Well, I haven't read the book, so I can't comment too specifically. But my, my problem wasn't necessarily this structure, but more how it's presented. I thought it was just kind of a kind of lifeless in in how it, in how they kind of unfurl the world. It's it really just felt like they were like an obligation. Like we have to get through this. They're not worried about emotion. They're not really worried about you know connecting you to these characters. It's it's kind of like go go go. We got to move this forward. We got to get to the pretty sand, and then you you lose you know, the stuff that actually drives story in the meantime. And I think that's not an uncommon uh, theme in. In Villeneuve's Villeneuve's uh, filmography, uh, I think he he really prioritizes uh, what you see and not what you feel, and uh, that is often a, in contrast with what I enjoy watching. Yeah, I. I, I guess I just didn't feel like he seemed very interested in the characters. I don't know. There's like no... I didn't feel like I had any clear understanding of any of their relationships beyond the surface. And I, I, I think that's what really made everything until... Um, everything until... Spoiler alert. Um... Like the um, oh my god, I'm literally blanking on their names. Oscar Isaac's character and his group of people get destroyed by the government people. Um, seem just very. This happened, then this happened, then this happened, and look now they're they're running away and Jason Momoa is fighting. And it's like an action movie that looks very pretty. I mean, I think... I think that one, you know, your criticism, starting with the, the lack of depth for characters that are not named, you know, Paul Atreides, uh, is a fair criticism. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's... I don't know if there's a way, uh, a better way to flesh out characters that, you know, you don't have time to flesh out completely. Um, Make time. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's like at the end of the day, I don't, how much of their story is that important? You know, I mean, I, I, think... I personally feel like, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. You know, for instance, you know, take, um, you know, take Paul's father, uh, Duke, is it Leto or Leto? It's Duke something, Atreides. Um, you know, we don't, he, he, he's, you know, spoiler alert, he dies about halfway point of the film, maybe a little before. Um, so you only get about an hour of screen time and not even that, you know, his, his role is pretty much, as Eric said, the doomed father, the, the leader of, uh, the Atreides and, you know, becomes the new ruler of this planet uh, that he is colonizing, you know, seems to be a little bit better <laughs> of a colonizer, you know, like a little bit more care 
cares about the inhabitants of the planet, he says. Um, yes, the good colonists. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's, that, that's what he, I mean, that's what is said, you know, that's what he says, or that's what the idea, I guess, is. Obviously, I don't think it's, you know, we could talk all day about that, but, um, and then, you know, he's the, he's the good guy, and he, you know, he ends up dying, and, um, you know, maybe one of the criticisms you're saying, Eric, is just like, you know, like, why do I care about him? What is he bringing, you know, like, what is the relationship between him and Paul? I mean, is this kind of what you're saying? Is that you just yeah, feel like these characters are... Yeah, it's not even that, like, all the characters not named Paul don't have depth. It's, I I didn't feel like Paul himself had depth either. I agree. There was no center, and I, I didn't feel like Timothy Chalamet was very enticing to me either. I like there was nothing in his character that felt specific either or that made me feel like I should care. So tell me let's let's talk about that. Let's let's stay on this point for a little bit because I want to we'll do some back and forth. What what is your let's talk about Paul, uh the character of Paul. Um what is so your criticism is that you just feel like he doesn't he he himself as the main character and taking up a majority of the screen time doesn't have much depth to you. Is that is that He he and I, I honestly think this is partially due to the performance as well. Feels like a very like lifeless character to me. Yeah. I'm saying he's very bland as a protagonist on this great odyssey who's meant to be the chosen one. I, I don't know what defining characteristics he really has. Well, I mean, we can go back through some moments, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, let's let's talk kind of a little bit about the character in terms of in context of the movie. Um, he, you know, we know the again. This is doesn't is necessarily depth, but we know that there's pretty early on. Paul is, is you know, expected to be the next runner of House Atreides, um, and we know that he has this gift that we don't completely, even by the end of the movie, completely understand. Besides, he can kind of tell the future, kind of you know, something's there, um, and we know that you know. There's frustration there with him. There's the scenes, um, you know, with at the beginning that take place kind of before. I'm, I'm kind of doing pre, um, I'm doing more of the pre war breaking out. Um, there's the box scene. There are, you know, scenes, uh, you know, I, I guess are, what, what do you feel like he's lacking? Like well, everything, sorry, no, everything no. you just said strikes me as exposition. Mm -hmm. And not character interaction. Like, what I wanted more of was, like, Timothy Chalamet's character hugging Jason Momoa's character and them interacting. Or, like, sequences of, like, um, Timothy Chalamet practicing fighting with... Is it Josh Brolin? Yeah, Josh Brolin. Like, so it you feels got like those... he has more personality. Like, but it, like, I could not tell you. So why didn't those scenes work for you? What about, what about no, those? No, they did. It's like, I... There were no real character moments there. It's just like, all right, we need to show that that uh, that Paul is learning from Josh Brolin. That Josh Brolin is this is this warrior and this teacher. So we're just gonna put them in a room. They're gonna, you know, spar. They're gonna spar. Okay, check. We accomplished that. Next, but they didn't really. It, that's it. It, that, it never felt like they were interacting. It never felt like the characters were interacting. And I think, Zach, like what you mm -hmm. were describing, uh, that he 
is, you know, heir to Atreides and, you know, he has this, this, this gift that, that, you know, that's a little mysterious to us. Those strike me as more uh, kind of external qualities. Even the gift, which should be inside him, is it seems to be more attached to him and, and influencing him. But we don't really see how that molds his personality. A lot of it is is things that are external to him that he interacts with and that there are certainly opportunities for those things to to give us insight into who he is but they're kind of just there for as we've been talking about exposition uh and and we just don't learn much about who he is and he's not put into many situations where he has to make an interesting choice to define him or ha er, or comes across a moral conundrum where we can understand from where he, you know, he, his heart and his mind reside. It's, I don't know, there's just very little defining information that, you know, makes our favorite protagonists so compelling. So let's talk a little bit then jumping forward to the second half, because I think there might be more of the, of, of what you're speaking of, and maybe you disagree for instance, I'm gonna to go to the scene with his mother uh, on the first night after um, they have to, you know, are kidnapped and they have to sleep in this tent under under you know a dune. Um, there's the you know it's kind of a very emotional scene with his mother and him talking about you know uh, somewhat like his responsibility, also just kind of like a, you know reactions to everything that's happened with his father now being spoiler dead. Um, I guess I already, we've already said that, um, <laughs> but you know, so there's scenes like that, you know, they're pretty emotional scene, you know, I'm not going to say you shed a tear in my eye, but, um, we have that. And then we even have fast forward to pretty much the end when we have the scene of him, um, choosing to represent his mother in, in, in battle and, you know, kind of what he's going through there. Does, do those scenes still to you seem to lack that depth? Do they seem very much still external and not character defining? Maybe I'll, I'll focus on, on the, the duel okay. for a second. Uh, maybe it's a little unfair because that's just something that we come to expect from every hero when when that's a possibility is that of course they're going to uh put themselves in the ring and so now it doesn't feel so important even though perhaps dune was was one of the more original examples uh, of this and now it's a new movie but of course this the source material is is much more relevant or uh, yeah but I, I wasn't really struck emotionally, perhaps because it, it seemed so necessary uh, to the story when they asked for somebody to be her champion and everybody kind of just looked toward him because it was clear nobody else uh, was going to take that position. He was the only one who could possibly do it and somebody had to do it. So he... Again, it's not necessarily what 
happens in the movie, but how it happens. Making his being her champion such an inevitability removes the emotion that you get from his choice. It doesn't feel like a choice because it, it, I don't think it really is. Like somebody needs to be her champion. It's not going to be one of the, you know, one of the people who are kind of, it seems like family with, with the guy that he has to fight, right? They're not going to turn on their own. So it's like, he, it's like he doesn't even have a choice. So it's, he's not making an interesting decision. We're not actually learning more about who he is on the inside. It's just more plot. Let's keep it moving. Yeah, I want to, you know, on that note, you know, we don't normally do this, but I think it's nice to sometimes bring in some outside. Um, I hit us with the bibliography. An NPR article. No, this is um, an NPR review of Dune. Uh, Justin Chang, I, I think, would agree with you, Caleb. He says in this, he says, there's also something crucial missing. Much of the plot is advanced through elements of mind reading and mind control. So it's a shame that the movie never really gets inside its characters' heads. As with so many of uh, Denis' films, the visuals are stunning, but the story feels rudimentary. You get the sense that he's managed his source material without fully mastering it. In some ways, Lynch's Dune actually got closer to the mind-bending strangeness of Herbert's novel. It had a touch of visionary madness that this movie could little use a little bit more of. So I think Justin Chang would agree with you. And I, and I don't think your 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 criticism's wrong. I think it's one that I share. Maybe maybe I'm a little bit more forgiving. Um, it also might help that I know a little bit more. Like I'm coming at this as not a new, you know. So perhaps unfairly, I'm not looking. I'm not isolating Denise film and being like, ah, yes, because I I know more. But I still I I don't think it's. I think it's a fair criticism. In, in, in fact, excuse me. I think it's one that we've talked about, as Eric has said, seems to be, or maybe it was Caleb, seems to be a common thread in his films of being visually stunning. I mean, can we can we agree? You know, maybe maybe different, but we can agree Dune's a visually stunning film, at least in some regards, right? Caleb, you look like you're not 100% sold on that idea. Stunning is a you wouldn't agree is a stunning. word I reserve. Okay. Um, but it's 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 not it's not, it it's not a visually ugly. Movie. It's not a visually ugly movie. Denis has a tendency for some of his films are very, what I would argue, beautiful films. I think Arrival is a very beautifully shot film. I've heard Blade Runner 2049 is a very colorful, beautiful film. But both movies, I believe Arrival is actually a counter to this because I actually do like a little bit more of the character development and character story I get in Arrival. But I've heard twenty Blade Runner suffers from the same thing: is that the world on the outside is shiny and and stunning, but inside feels hollow. And um, and I and I see your point, you know, especially in a movie that's two and a half hours of technical setup. I mean, if we if we think of the first hour of being set up, it's actually more setup of the setup. The majority of Dune's story hasn't even happened yet in 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 the film universe. I mean. We we are just now seeing uh, Paul Atreides meet the inhabitants of the planet. You know, this is this is something that is actually 
what I would argue is the end of the setup. Like, so the first movie is essentially one, two and a half hour long setup for the real movie of, of, of part two, which, which is a, which is crazy. It, it is, it is, it's, it's, crazy. it's crazy. It is crazy. And you would expect this is, this is why, you know, my, you know, you know, you can go to letterbox.com slash Zachary Aiden or Zachary Tower. I don't know. But, uh, you will see him. Oh, my review is pretty good, but it's it's not five stars. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi fan. I, I love Arrival. I love Interstellar. But this movie, I will agree, does seem pretty hollow in some regards. Maybe a, I find it a little less hollow than maybe you do. But um, it's two and a half hours of setup. And setup is where you would expect more character development, less plot, more diving deep into the depths of what makes characters tick and at the end of the day how much do you feel either of you that you walked away with that not much right not much yeah not much i I mean in the movie's defense like i gave this movie a pretty positive review i thought the second half was very superficially fun i thought rebecca ferguson was very good I i thought she like stood out to me her voice power, very fun. Um, and yeah, like the second half, you could tell he like cared a little more. I thought like, like you say the exposition stops at the first half, but it really felt like it, there was like yeah. an hour and a half, two hours of like exposition. And then things started happening when people started like fighting and doing what I thought was more fun to just sit back and mindlessly look at like and have a good time. Stuff was going on. Yeah, and and, and like you got I, to see Jason Momoa fighting. Sure. You did. You got to see Oscar Isaac die. You got to see the the worms. Yeah, the worms were cool, and you got to see the creepy guy with the long tunic. <laughs> the long tunic. Who like was in like a vat of goo? He was in goo. He he was goo. Um. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that happened. I was like, I'm I'm on. I I I think. The more I think of, you know, the more I think about this, you know, this movie is basically one long setup. It's like a, it's like a setup for the real movie. But even then, what makes a setup eventually pay off is how much you become attached to these characters. Usually. In this case, I think what Caleb... And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're speaking to and what I, you know, don't disagree with completely is that even if Dune 2 is is a good action movie or is a good film, Dune Part 1 will never feel worth it. It'll never feel like there was a payoff because there was a simple lack of really any, like, any meaningful, and, you know, we might get a little bit different, but any meaningful character development i'll let you know in a couple years but (laughs) it's not looking good it is not looking good you know and it's a shame because i i i really recommend that um you read dune uh and um i'm a big fan of sci-fi um i probably say that and people will come from my head because i'm sure i haven't seen a lot of how dare you be a fan of sci-fi i don't know but uh you know i i would say it's interesting because this is a common criticism of what I've heard of his films. Um, you know, I think, oddly enough, Prisoners is an example of a Denis film that, again, you don't 
care too much about because the characters don't have depth. I actually, like, I, I know you guys, I don't believe, are huge fans or, or fans at all of Arrival, but I, I actually think Arrival is one example because it's focused on actually, like, one character that I felt like there is... Maybe it's just because the character's story is more interwoven with the plot, but I still felt like there was more character development in that film than any other of his films that I've seen, including Dune. I think they're also... I actually like Arrival, but I also want to say... This is like not related at all, but I feel like a lot of the emotional lifting of Arrival is also helped by the fact that it has a good score. Yes. Um, I I don't think Dune has a particularly. Let's talk about this. You know, score. let's we we we. I think we're going in circles at this point. We've hit a good topic. Let's let's talk about some other things. Some good. Some bad. Let's talk about the score. Um, Hans Zimmer turned down, uh, the last Nolan movie, uh, for this movie, and. My opinion is this. The score wasn't terrible, but I much rather would have seen Hans Zimmer doing the last Nolan movie because the last Nolan movie wasn't, in my opinion, the worst movie. And it could have been even better with his score unless Hans Zimmer is suddenly, you know, unless he's he's out of the game, you know, he's 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 past his his prime. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm with Eric a little bit. Scores pretty. You know, so I I feel like a lot of people could do what Hans Zimmer did for Dune, and that's not usually something I say about Hans Zimmer, considering he did the soundtrack for Arrival, which is my favorite soundtrack. Wait, Interstellar. Uh, I'm sorry, Interstellar, which is my favorite soundtrack of all time. So. Yeah, talk. I don't know. Talk, say a little bit about that. What do you think about the soundtrack? What are your? Uh, I don't know. It, it struck me as there was something very generic. There was something interesting know. you said, Eric, and I wonder if you want to repeat it. Oh, that he clearly wanted to be tribal, so he or like to like be quote unquote like ethnic, so he added in the like <laughs> the like little the trip. little like I don't even know the like <laughs> the calls or whatever in like all throughout the score. If you've seen any like. I think I read that on um, a review by Vadim Razov. He was like, his entire like half his review is devoted to hating on the score. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the thing that's in stereotypical, like I don't know, very American, Lion King. Yeah, very American depictions of Egypt or just Middle Eastern areas. That it's like you would if you heard the noise. I wish I maybe I can maybe I can play it right now, <laughs> like in the thing. If you heard the noise, you know what? I'll actually look for it. Um, I, this is a ooh a new a new development a live podcast. Um, uh, you better noises. find it. Zach. Um, yeah, talk a little bit more. I mean, what do you think, uh, Caleb? I'm, I'm assuming you didn't, didn't care too much for the yeah, score. Yeah, I'd agree with Eric's description of generic. I just like an action journey movie whatever uh if if you had told me it wasn't hans zimmer it was some random guy i'd believe it yeah i you know I, i'm not gonna sit and, and hate on it i didn't think it was terrible yeah. but but yeah I, I guess the 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 call as we'll label it uh was uh, a a distracting choice yeah, uh, I don't even. I'm. I'm. I. I don't know how I'm gonna. I'm not gonna play any of these. But I mean, you can look up. 
<laughs> sound effects. I, I don't want to go through and play them, but yeah, it's a it's a very if you heard it, if you see Dune, you'll recognize it from a lot of places. Yeah, it's um it's a pretty generic score, you know. I wasn't meaning to hate on the score. It was more just like part of the like what like what makes Arrival work for me is that I like I really like the score for that movie. Arrival has a great score. I love Arrival's score. Arrival's score is one of my favorite things about the film. Um, so, you know, that's another little part. We talked, we touched a little bit on acting on, you guys felt Timothy Chalamet's character was pretty uninspiring. Perhaps we could argue, one could argue that that happens to be connected to the fact that there wasn't much to work with in terms of what was given to him. Um, granted, I'm sure the character itself has a lot considering the number of novels, but in terms of the script, might not have been a lot to work with. Um, and I would argue in certain scenes, he did what he could. Um, so, you know, uh, Eric, you touched on who you thought was the best performance in this film, uh, which was... Uh, Rebecca, Rebecca. Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca. Rebecca. Gail, do you have any, anyone you can think of that had a really good performance or you... Um... Yeah, I thought Rebecca Ferguson was... was good as well i didn't think timothy was bad mm -hmm. uh i did yeah i just i don't think he made what is on paper an uninteresting character much more interesting yeah i'm with you i actually you know this is gonna be a i know i sure it's not acting 100 but jason momoa did a great job with his character like for what it was you know it's a nice action. He's a nice action, you know, star. Uh, you know, shed a little bit of a tear when he died. Um, if if he died, I'm, I think he died. Um, you know, Zendaya really didn't have much of a role in this movie, um, which is just funny when you read reviews. And Zendaya was in this movie to like pretend she was in the perfume commercials. <laughs> <laughs> just the slow motion. She was just some white boy's dream, like. <laughs> Yeah, she's not really in this movie until the last 30 minutes, and even then, it's very minimal. Um, she will be heavily, assuming they bring back the same cast, which I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, I assume... Yeah, that'd be a twist. Uh, if they couldn't schedule it in. If they just replaced everyone. Yeah, or just... Well, it'd be weird to replace someone like so such a major character, even though she had very little screen time. Um, I think she'll be back. I'm sure she will. I'm sure she will. She will also probably, you know, be in the new Spider-Man as seen by the, the trailers. Um, is she still dating Tom Holland? I think she is, right? Does anyone know? Anyone here caught up in pop culture? Eric? <laughs> I feel like I'll be the person to know, but I don't know. Eric, answer this question. Tom Holland or Timothy Chalamet? Um, neither. <laughs> neither. Okay. Right. Uh, so the answer was Oscar Isaac, actually. Um, yeah. That should have been the answer. Dune, any other final thoughts on Dune? Um, anything Anything you liked? Caleb, was there anything you were locked away? I'm like, yeah, you know, it was pretty good. I, I did enjoy this one little aspect of it. Um Zach, I want to hear. I want to hear what you liked. Yeah, I feel like. I, I feel like. I, I feel like in the three like. of us, I've been the most against all odds. Been sounding the most positive. No, on this movie, I think and I, I feel sound like that's very positive. I think I sounded very positive. 
Um, I, I I can start a lot of places. I I thought visually it was it was a beautiful film. Um, I enjoy you know a lot of time was spent on the planet, but uh, I enjoy seeing just you know I'm a big fan of space and all that stuff. I enjoy some of the other seeing some glimpses of the other worlds, seeing like um, just the setup of of like the ships and all that stuff. I I just I it adds to the world building to me. Um, the sandworms were cool as hell. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm, I am excited, you know, that I think it's like, it's something where it's like seeing something that you have always liked come to the screen gives you a sort of effect that is hard to ever replicate. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's, you know, as Don Draper once said, um, something about nostalgia. Um, <laughs> for eric um wow <laughs> what did what did he say in mad men eric about nostalgia shit i i'm, I'm i don't want to butcher the quote you don't want to butcher the quote but uh nostalgia essentially powerful drug um but yeah something about seeing it come to life on the screen is very very pleasing um because of how massive it feels and also seeing an imax was very nice um, I, yeah, I, uh, to be honest, I, I would love Dune slash, I've been waiting for a good sci-fi TV show. If this type of film, if there was Game of Thrones in space, like, it doesn't have to be exactly one-to-one, -one, but something like Dune as a TV show, in my opinion, could work very well. Or maybe like a limited series, um, not necessarily a TV show. But like a couple episode limited series, I don't know, man. You know, I think it would probably work better than what we got here. I think a ten episode, one hour, ten episode, one or ten episode season, an hour each episode. That's ten hours to put a book, you know, versus what we got as a two and a half hour setup for a part two movie that may or may not pay off. I'm just saying. I mean, if you think about it, you say this. But if you map it on, and it's a pretty clear one-to-one, -one, the first season of Game of Thrones is the first half of this movie. Like, almost exactly. What do you mean? You have the children, the family is moving, they're going at, like, the call of the, like, the government or the king, the father's being screwed... Yeah. Like the father is discovering that he is being screwed with. They get That's true. they get destroyed. Like that is the first season of Game of yeah. Thrones. I'm just saying, Dune. If it doesn't, if this movie didn't want to be a five six season TV show, I'm just saying, I do agree with you that it does seem to match on pretty well. The first, you know, it's possible because there's so much set to set up. There's so many books, so many things to set up. I mean, thinking about the first season, if I recall, the first season of Game of Thrones was thrilling. I loved it watching it i mean and that's season. not even the best season like i have to go i have to watch like what, what i love about game of thrones is just like that setup doesn't feel meaningless that setup feels it pays off so well so i just i just don't know if if, if that can work for a movie like i don't know if doing two and a half hours of setup for another movie is just how it works do you happen to know real quick before we uh wrap up eric do you happen to know how much of the books of Game of Thrones season one covers? Um, it honestly covers pretty much the first book. Exactly. So 
think about it. If we if we had and how long is that first season? Ten episodes. Yeah. So if we had that for Dune, about an hour each, I think you could get through. I mean, maybe even extend. You know, fifteen episodes. You get the whole book. I don't know. I'm just saying, like. The way it's structured with how much is going on in this universe, the the politics of it, the eventual battles, it just doesn't pay off the same in a, in a movie theater sitting there for an hour and a half learning politics and you don't really get much satisfaction out of it at the end. That's a long rant. You know, I could probably do a whole podcast episode talking about how Dune would make a great TV show and plot it out. But um, what's funny is I, what I've heard is Dune is, the licensing has been really hard for them to get um, in. Um, I don't know for what reasons or anything like that, but uh, I wonder, maybe, maybe, you know, honestly, nowadays there's not much time between remakes and television adaptions or movie adaptions. So in two years we could be talking about, uh, you know, the first preview of Dune, the TV series. So who knows? Uh, good thing we're not a TV podcast. Uh, we are a strictly movie podcast at this point. But uh, yeah, that was Dune. Uh, before we wrap up, actually, um, well, as we're wrapping up, speaking of remakes, um, Eric, how are you? Oh. How are you feeling about um, your boy in the new Batman movie? Um, that, in my opinion, does not look very great. But uh, the trailer wasn't. Too great, but yeah. But you're excited to see him as Batman. Did you see the trailer, Caleb? Have you seen it yet? I have not. Okay. Um, I was just wondering maybe if it, you might have seen it in theaters. But uh, yeah, Batman coming back again in a couple and, months. Yeah, and uh, has a brand new, brand new Batman, and uh, we'll see. It's Eric's boy. Um, I mean, you got Robert Pattinson and Colin Farrell, and I think Colin Farrell's in the movie. Come on! Is does he play um the pang the penguin? I don't even know who who the villain is. I thought the the Riddler was in it. There's a lot of them. This movie's not going to be good, Eric. I'm sorry. It's just not. oh, like I, I'm not I'm not expecting it to be good. Can we just move on from superheroes? Like, can we just uniformly accept at least take like a five year break? Five years from now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rock and roll. You're going to write the check to Marvel and DC? I'm, I guess not. <laughs> I don't have the money for that. Uh, but if we as a society can just agree to put a pause button for five years on superheroes, that'd be good. You know, let's let's see what the brain churns out. What what, what else can we do, man? You know, what else can we yeah, get out of here? Yeah, if we cut out superhero movies, we just get more remakes. It's going to be uh, like more book adaptions. Uh, we're going to get more or unnecessary sequels the new shrek movie isn't uh, there a buzz lightyear whoa, prequel don't group in shrek <laughs> the, dude this. have you seen the trailer yet or the photos for the new buzz lightyear movie oh his hair i got a <laughs> yeah have you seen that yeah buzz eric have hair. you seen this yeah i have oh my god i wish we this was a um oh my god yeah it, he looks so i uh, just like <laughs> dude what like hollywood needs to be stopped Hollywood needs to be stopped, man. It's it's good luck. As as Caleb Brunman once said brilliantly to end the podcast, um, Capital has won. <laughs> Capital has won. And I will be watching at the Eternals. <laughs> he will be. I will not be. Well, I probably will. I you know I haven't seen. I told Caleb this. I haven't seen a single Marvel movie since um, uh, what was it called? Uh, Endgame. 
Yeah, Endgame. So, don't know when I'm going to hop back on the train. Don't know if I ever will, but uh, we'll see. Maybe with maybe with Eternals. Either way, we will see you next week for our next film. Eric, what is our next film next week? I think you know. What is it? Um, it's it's a dispatch. It's a dispatch. It's what, French. A French dispatch, or the French dispatch, as one might say. Uh, the new Wes Anderson film. We will be back a week from today with our review of the French dispatch. Until then, have a great rest of your day. We will see you next time. Bye.